This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Gusto, online payroll and benefits service built for modern small businesses. And keep listening, I'm going to tell you how to get three months free. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz and my guest today is Todd Henry. He's an author, international speaker, consultant and advisor. Uh, he's the founder of Accidental Creative, the author of The Accidental Creative and Die Empty and a number of other books. He's, in fact, I think was on the show to talk about Die Empty. But today we're going to talk about a new book that he has co-authored uh, called The Motivation Code, Discover the Hidden Forces that Drive Your Best Work. So, Todd, welcome back. John, it is so good to see you. So good to be here again. Yeah. So, so what motivated you to write this book? Well, I didn't intend to. I mean, I, I... It was a joke. That was supposed to be a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder You're, you're so right. serious. You're so serious. Come on. <laughs> I, I really... Uh, no, but I'm, that's the honest answer. Like, I really yeah, yeah. did not intend to write this book. Um, four years ago, so 2016, uh, a friend of mine, Rod Penner, asked me to take this assessment that he and a team of PhDs have been working on for a number of years. And um, I don't know about you, but I, whenever I hear assessment, my eyes start to glaze over. And I, you know, I think, great, I just need another set of letters to attach to myself, right, or whatever it is. Or I think about those like Harry Potter quizzes, you know, like which house are you kind of thing. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. whatever. But, but I trusted Rod. Rod had been uh, at a management consulting firm for 20 years. And I was like, okay, whatever he's working on, it's, it's got to be at least good, right? Yeah. So I took the assessment and frankly was completely blown away. When I got the results, um, it clarified for me patterns in my life that I'd always suspected. I always knew they were there, but I didn't really have words for them. Um, revealed to me why I have certain areas of conflict in my life with certain people and why other people I get along with great. It revealed to me why some tasks I'll stay up to like three in the morning for a week straight to finish and other tasks that are super easy. It'll take me 20 hours just to like move, you know, half an inch on. Um, it just revealed so much to me. And so I thought, well, I need to help get this out into the world. Whatever I, you know, whatever I do, I have to help get this motivation code assessment out into the world. So I started working on a book in the background, uh, along with Rod and Dr. Todd Hall and Dr. Joshua Miller. Um, but there was a problem and that problem was I was already working on another book called Herding Tigers. It was coming out in 2018. And so I was kind of working on this in the background, um, over the last four years. And fortunately timing worked out right. And now we're able to actually get this out into the world. So here we are. But the, the short answer is I didn't intend to, it sort of found me. And I realized like a lot of great things do, you realize when you experience something, you want everybody else to know about it too. And that's kind of what happened to me. Yeah. So, so you already revealed this idea that this was based on some work that had been going on for quite some time. And in, in some ways, it needed the book maybe to explain it or expand on it. Right. Um, but did, when you talked about it really clarifying things for you, um, were those, uh, was that because somebody was able to interpret uh, the answers uh, for you? Cause I, I actually, um, you shared the assessment with me. Um, I haven't quite finished it, um, <laughs> but, uh, but, but I know that there's a lot of sliding scales and, you know, things of that nature. So, so how does somebody I'm, I'm envisioning as somebody who's gone through about half of it, you know, how does that turn into something that resonates? Yeah. So, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example from my life. So um, my, so th essentially the assessment breaks out motivation into 27 different unique themes. And just yeah. by, by way of background, 
you know, we tend to think about motivation in a very simple way. We think about traditionally, even those who are like a little bit knowledgeable about what motivation is, we think about it in terms of intrinsic and extrinsic, right? So intrinsic being those inner forces that drive you, extrinsic motivation being external forces. So pay raises, words of encouragement, things like that. The reality is research has shown that those two types of motivation are not fully discrete, that they actually inter interact with and modify one another. Um, and so the way that I respond to extrinsic forces is going to be different than the way that you respond to extrinsic forces. And so that sort of created a, a bit of a dissatisfaction with the state of research into motivation, because if we're all going to respond differently, it doesn't really help us to know, you know, that we're responding to something unless we know exactly how we respond to it. So that kind of brings us back to this research. Um, basically, what my colleagues and I have done is tapped into over 50 years of research um, into achievement. And specifically, what is it about achievement that makes that achievement deeply gratifying and engaging to the people who experienced it? So we've parsed over a million achievement stories going back over 50 years, people from all walks of life and distilled the language that they used to describe why it was meaningful down into patterns. And those patterns turned into 27 unique themes of motivation. So all of that is backstory to explain how this affected me. So my top motivation is make an impact. Um, that motivational theme means I want to see the concrete results of my work. On the other side of doing something, I need to see that that work is standing, that it's impacting other people, that I've made, a, in the words of Steve Jobs, I've made a dent in the universe, right, in some capacity. If I don't see that impact from my work, it's not gratifying for me in any capacity. And so what that's done for me is it's helped me understand why certain tasks leave me wanting, why they're not motivating to me, why I can't gear up to do them. Well, it's because when I do them, I don't see any kind of impact. But I will, by the way, walk 10 miles down the road over broken glass in order to do something that I know is going to leave an impact right where I'm going to see the impact because that's what really drives me. Another one of my top motivations is what's called meet the challenge. Meet the challenge driven people want some kind of concrete imminent challenge in their world. And that's what engages them is the challenge. So, and by the way, this is my trick, what we call my trigger motivation. So John, if you come to me and you say, Todd, I don't know if this is possible, but I'm already in. Like I'm in. I don't, I don't care what comes after the but. I'm already in because you've triggered one of my core motivations, which is meet the challenge. So to put it in terms of like what this book, for example, writing a book doesn't feel like an imminent challenge to me. Writing 60,000 words, that's not something I sit down each day and say, I can't wait to dive into this, right? So in my world, what happens is I get distracted by other things that do feel imminently challenging, something that I can tackle right now, something that's going to be stretching for me, but that I can do and I can tackle it by 930 and have it done. And that to me is very motivating. So sometimes my book work would get pushed to the background. Once I understood this, I realized what I need to do in my world in order to be engaged with my book writing is I need to set little challenges for myself each day that I have to tackle. So what I do is I say, I'm going to write 500 words by 930 this morning. That's my challenge for the day. And if I tackle it, I feel engaged. I feel motivated. I feel fulfilled. And I've made progress on my work. So what we often do, and this is the longest answer in the history of podcasts, sorry, but what we often do, John, is we wait for our job 
to motivate us. We look for tasks that are going to motivate us. And we think if I could just find the right job, if I could just find the right set of tasks, then I'm going to be motivated. And what we've discovered is that the reality is we bring our motivation to the tasks, not the other way around. So there are some tasks that are more naturally aligned with your core motivation. But if you understand what drives you, you can align yourself with your work in such a way that you're going to bring more of who you are to what you do every day and your work's going to be more fulfilling and more engaging. So that's how it transformed my life is by helping me do that, align who I am with what I do every single day. And so, again, you're going to say this more eloquently than I'm just about to, but uh, I mean, in some ways, you almost by understanding the code, you almost can hack the code to trick yourself. Yes, that, that's exactly right. You know, it, it is almost like a life hack, you know, or a, a, like you're hacking the human being. You know, we, we use so many blunt force methods to motivate people, especially managers. I mean, if you manage a team, we use a couple or three tricks to motivate people, right? Like we use pay raises, we use words of encouragement, we offer flexibility, we do these kinds of things. And we think that this is going to be the thing that's going to motivate people to perform. But the reality is, and the research has shown, by the way, for decades, that those types of motivational strategies have a short-term effect and then everyone reverts to the mean. And so if you're going to motivate with pay raises, you're going to have to give a pay raise at regular clips throughout the course of that person's career in order to continue to motivate uh, performance. But if you understand the unique code that drives behavior, like let's say, for example, I know that you're driven by what we call make the grade and make the grade is somebody who wants to be part of a team. They want to be part of the ethic. They want to meet the standard of that group. So think like a person who wants to be, um, wants to be in the military, but they don't just want to be in the military. They want to be in the Navy, but not just in the Navy. They want to be a Navy SEAL, but not just a Navy SEAL. They want to be SEAL team six, right? Like that's kind of the make the grade person. Well, think about that person. And if I know that's what drives them, that's one of their top motivations, I'm going to come to them and say, hey, John, um, the team really needs you too, right? Or what we really need right now is, and you're going to be in, it's going to be gratifying to you, not because of the work itself, but because you want to be a part of the team effort that makes something happen. You want to make the grade, right? I can speak to you in a way that unlocks that code. If you're going to do it for me, like I said earlier, you're going to come to me and say, Todd, I don't know if this is possible, but do you think we could? And I'm like, yes, I'm in whatever you say, of course, you know. It's not that it's not that simple, of course, right, but right. if we can learn to communicate in someone's language, we can be much more precise in how we motivate them and how we engage them with the work. And they're going to have a better experience. We're going to have a better experience as a manager, and we're all going to be more productive together if we're operating in our motivational flow. Yeah. So, so you're suggesting on one hand, uh, yes, uh, take the assessment, get your own, <laughs> you know, figure out your your own motivators and what drives you and, and motivates you. But then there's this this element of, of team or interaction or whatever, that, that if you understand somebody else's code, you can more easily decipher, you know, how to how to work with them. But it sounds exhausting if you want to know the truth. <laughs> well, it well, it, it kind of is right in a way. <laughs> Um, I mean, as any sort of intentional effort to strategically yeah. lead is like, that's the reality. Um, it's exhausting at first, but it comes, becomes really fun over time because you start to see the results. And one of the things that this will unlock as well is areas of conflict. I mentioned that earlier, but you know, if you have a couple of people on the team who just don't seem to get along and for some reason they always seem to fight, 
a lot of a lot of times it's because of where they're getting their motivational energy. So let's say that there's a, a, two people that just always fight because one person's always asking questions, trying to re-examine things, trying to reinvent things. And the other person's like, we just need to get this done. Let's just get it done. Well, it could be that person's driven by bring to completion, which means they want to check tasks off lists and move on. Like that's, that's primarily what gives them energy. The other person's driven to explore. So they want to ask questions. They want to explore new territory. They want to have new experiences. They want to ask why, why are we doing this? Why are we even here? Why are, you know, and the other person's going to just, their head's going to, I I want to choke them already right now. <laughs> so, so, so this is so this is what happens often on teams is we have these different places we get our motivational energy and they exist in conflict with one another. Once we understand that, we can say, "Hey, bring the completion person. We're still really early in the project, and right now this explore motivation is really helpful to us. So we need you to deactivate that bring the completion instinct right now. But there's going to come a time when we have to say, "Hey, explore person.'" Stop asking questions. We know that's where you get your energy, but right now we need the people who bring the completion to do their thing, which is get this across the finish line. So once we begin to understand where people naturally get their energy, we can sort of identify those areas of conflict and have a more meaningful conversation about it. So you mentioned the 27 themes. Uh, obviously, we're not going to have time to explore them all today, but <laughs> right. give, give, you want to give me a, a sense of kind of how those break down? Uh, I know a lot of them are you actually call them families. Even. We do. Yeah. So just like a biological family, there are certain themes that live within families that share some DNA. So you know, if you have a sibling, you're going to share some DNA, but you're going to have different personality. You're going to have different ways you interact in the world. And that's kind of how these families exist as well. These themes share some DNA, but they're different enough. And really the rubber meets the road practical aspect is at the theme level, not at the family level. But just to kind of give you an overview of what these families are. The first one is what we call the achiever family. And the achiever family of themes are themes typically marked by people who are driven to move forward, to persevere, to complete challenging objectives. So these are things like meet the challenge that I mentioned earlier, or advance, or bring to completion, or overcome. These are the kinds of themes we're talking about there. Um, The second family is what we call the optimizer family. And these are people who are motivated to set up an operation and just to squeeze the living crap out of the efficiency of that organization, right? That's kind of what they're motivated to do is they just really want to make things operate as efficiently as possible. So these are motivations like improve, develop, make it work, organize, establish, make it right. So that's the optimizer family. And then you've got the team player family. And as you can imagine, these are people who like to work with other people. Um, Typically not the introverts in the group, right? But these like to be around others. And they especially like working in group contexts. They want to be involved with and contribute to groups. So this is people who like to serve, people who like to make the grade, people who like to collaborate, people who like to influence behavior. So if you've got a solopreneur, um, working alone in an office all day uh, on their their new launch, whatever that is, and they're primarily driven to collaborate. They're probably finding that they're not satisfying that motivational energy, right? And so once you understand that, you can begin to well, maybe I should be working in a co working space. Maybe I should find yeah. a way to be around people, right? It just completely changes your calculus. Um, the next family is what we call the learner family. The learner family are people who like to explore. They want to learn new things. They want to gain mastery. They want to demonstrate knowledge. So these are things like explore, demonstrate new learning, master, and comprehend and express. Um, and then we've got what we call the visionary family. 
The visionary family are people who are always focused on the future. They want to make an impact. They're focused on what's ideal. Um, they're always sharing ideas. And then two weeks later, you come to them and say, hey, whatever happened with her? Like, what are you talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. You, But you just shared an idea with me too. Yeah, it was just an idea, right? That's kind of who they are. So make an impact, uh, achieve potential, and experience the ideal are the themes within that family. And then the final family is the key contributor family. And these are people who want to be close to the center. It's important to them that they are where the action is happening. Uh, in the words of Hamilton, they want to be in the room where it happens, right? So these are people who are driven to be unique, excel, bring control, be central, evoke recognition, or gain ownership. So those are kind of those are the six families of themes um it really in a nutshell uh kind of gloss over that very yeah. 50 years of research in like two minutes <laughs> God, that's what we did right there so and now let's hear from this week's sponsor look paydays are great but running payroll calculating taxes deductions compliance that's not easy unless of course you have gusto gusto is simple online payroll and benefits built just for small businesses Gusto automatically files your payroll taxes and directly deposits your team's pay. Plus, you can offer all kinds of other benefits, 401ks, health insurance, workers' comp, and more. And because you're a listener to this show, you're going to get three months free once you run your first payroll. So go to gusto slash tape. That's gusto slash T-A-P-E and tell them John sent you. So I know that you didn't explicitly go into this in your research or your, your partners didn't necessarily, but do you have a sense of what role um, our societal, you know, upbringing, you know, that, that kind of stuff brings to these things when we're now 40, 50, 60 years old um, as our motivations? Yeah, that is a really great question. It's something that actually a lot, a lot of research has gone into trying to figure that out. One thing we do know is that, Motivation tends to be unique, so it's unique to you. Mm -hmm. um, there are 17,550 possible combinations of top, top three motivations. Um, so motivation code is unique. But the other thing that we've discovered is that it's sustained, it's enduring. So we've had people take this assessment over the course of a decade, mm -hmm. right? And generally speaking, with a little bit of movement among the top motivations, their top motivators tend to be just about the same as they were years ago. Um, and so what we've discovered is that what motivates you now is probably not a lot different from what was driving your behavior 10 years ago. Now it may have played out differently. Your circumstances were different. The way you responded to your environment may have been different, but those core motivators were, were very similar. So there's, there's a combination of certainly biology that goes into that, certainly opportunity that goes into that because you see possibilities around you and that's going to shape the way that you're motivated. Reinforcement at an early age shapes, I'm certainly, I'm certain shapes that as well. But once the cake is kind of baked, so to speak, um, your motivators tend to remain generally about the same uh, over the course of long periods of time. And we're actually doing more research about that right now. So I hope to have a more meaningful answer for you in you know, a couple of years. But um, yeah, that is one thing that we've discovered. All right. So we've identified you, you shared your top motivators. Um, and I think understanding those, obviously, uh, I can see the real value in just, just the example you explained. But sometimes 
um, our strengths. Like, like I've always said, one of my superpowers is curiosity. I always have to know how things work or why they work. I get in trouble sometimes with that as a motivator. Um, so is there a dark side to our motivation? Absolutely. Yeah, we call this the shadow side, right? So every motivation is a gift, unquestionably. Um, and by the way, there are there are people of anyone with a top motivation that's any one of these twenty seven themes at the absolute top of their industry and roles right. across right. any industry you could you could imagine. Um, but yeah, there there definitely is a shadow side. So I mentioned my meet the challenge motivation that sometimes that leads me to distraction or procrastination or. Uh, a couple of years ago, my my son uh, introduced me to a video game called Fortnite. Um, in my entire adult life, John, I've probably played like three hours of video games my entire adult life, like since I was 18 years old. Um, but I will say that like Fortnite is like a narcotic to people who are driven to meet the challenge because it's discreet. It's like a 20 minute game. If you go all the way, it's random, but it's also strategic. There are all these factors involved. And so I realized like shortly after he introduced me to that, I was like, this could be a problem. If I don't get this under control, this is going to become a problem for me. Because it was a, like when my work didn't feel this didn't feel mm-hmm. challenging, it was a very easy, quick way for me to get that meet the challenge fix. Like I'm, I'm just gonna take a little coffee break and just kind of you know do a little uh, game action or something like that. Totally out of character for me, but I realized that was driven by that meet the challenge instinct. And so once I began to realize that and understand that shadow side, uh, it changed how I approached those moments in my life, I could recognize them for what they were, make an impact. You know, I mentioned that being one of my top motivations. Sometimes that leads me to want to make an impact where it's not welcome. Like you said, sometimes you want to fix things that other people don't really want you to fix, you know, like, Hey, I could, I could come and fix that. No, that's okay. No, really. Let me come fix that for you. Um, I want to make an impact where people don't want an impact. So if I come into a room, I could be in a meeting that I was invited into. And within 10 minutes, I've got the um, the whiteboard marker in my hand and I'm standing at the board drawing diagrams and like asking questions, right? Because it's important to me to, to make an impact. Well, that isn't necessarily always the most welcome thing in the world, especially if you're a guest in the room. And so, um, you know, I've had to learn that as well, that I'm getting my energy there and that's great, but sometimes I have to, sub- I have to, uh, uh, I have to deactivate that motivation just for a short time so that I'm not, encroaching upon other people's expectations. So um, you you have the assessment, you're working with organizations, and I would guess that to some degree, one of the findings would be that organizations are better served, or at least teams are better served by maybe having variety of motivations on the team, as opposed to everybody who's, you know, the visionary. Um, So I mean, is that in some ways, is that a way that some uh, a team or a leader might use this is to say, hey, we need some diversity? Absolutely. No question. No question about it. Yeah. If you have an entire team of people who are all driven to explore and you're primarily in a customer service business, you're going to experience a world of misery pretty quickly when everybody's asking all kinds of questions and really having a great time taking the client down all kinds of rabbit trails, but nobody's really driving the project forward, right? So um, yeah, diversity on your team. Diversity is always good, period. It's good for creativity. It's good for different kinds of thinking. It's good just for your organization to have diverse thinking um, and diverse experiences. But diversity of motivation is something we often don't consider. And so having 
people who are differently motivated on a team is going to help round out the way that that project moves forward and make sure that you're not missing obvious value along the way. Now, a lot of um, assessment organizations uh, actually offer certification and coaching and things. And I, I think that I read you're going to actually roll that out or, or you already have. Yeah, we do actually. Uh, yeah, you can become MCODE certified, which means that we, and so this is something that's been going on for a long time, but we've just automated the process. Um, so for the longest time, you would you know, sign up for training and it would take, you know, a couple of months and somebody would train you. So we've just made it a lot easier, reduce the friction and created an automated certified program. So you can become MCODE certified, which means you'll be trained to administer assessments to your team or to your clients. Uh, then you can, you'll be trained how to do an impact session, which is basically debriefing their motivation code assessment with them and helping them develop some next steps uh, as well. So yeah, that, that certification program is up and running on uh, the motivationcode.com website right now. All right. So Todd, thanks for stopping by uh, talking about the motivation code. You, uh, I think you just shared a URL, but is there anywhere else you'd like to send people if they want to know more about your work? Yeah, um, my site is ToddHenry.com. So if you want to know more about me, my podcast, my other books, anything like that, you can go there. And you know, as I mentioned, MotivationCode.com is where all this work lives. Awesome. Well, it's great catching up with you. And uh, hopefully we'll run into each other someday when we get back out there on the road. Yes, sir. Thanks, Sean.